You're listening to a podcast of Business News Background. A weekly roundup of the big stories here in Western Australia. Brought to you by Business News and Lush Digital. Welcome to another edition of Business News Background. I'm James Lush from Lush Digital Media. Uh, we have uh, three guests today, two Marks and Shana. Uh, Mark Panel, Mark Byer, Shana Crispin. Good morning. Let's start with a look at the stories from the week, including um, something, of course, that we're generally, generally in, in, in Australia obsessed with, that is Perth house prices. Well, not obviously Perth house prices, but house prices in general. Perth house prices, um, Mark, you know, it's, yes. it's a topic that everyone seems to love to in, enjoy discussing. I don't know why we're so obsessed with it, but we clearly are. Well, lots of people either own a property or want to own a property if they don't. Um, or if they're well organised, they own several. Yes. Um, so look, it's the classic hip pocket issue. Uh, we had some new stats out during the week, and it just confirmed the softness in Perth house prices. And in contrast to every other state, the latest data from the Bureau of Statistics says that every other state has achieved house price growth in the last quarter or so. Not WA. Um, over a year, we're up about three percent. Um, we had some really interesting insights to this during the week because we hosted a breakfast with John Simon from Aussie Home Loans. He's very close to it. And he was contrasting the, the, the gangbuster growth in Sydney, up about 14%, with this uh, very soft position in Perth. John put some context around it. Sydney had a decade of minimal growth in house prices. Last two years, it's really taken off. Perth, we had that period a few years back where prices were going up 25% a year. Yeah. We're adjusting after that. So, look, it seems to be normalising. Um, general view is don't expect any rapid gains yes. in Perth property values. Um, there's, a, there's a bit of concern out there that there might be falls, but I think, you know, on balance, that's not expected to occur. Yes, but was he talking about the fact that we can't really look to the past to gauge what is going to happen in the future because the world is a very different world now? Well, he, can't, he, he would have... I guess he said some of that stuff, but I, I just thought the message I took away was he's just going, China's over there. It's growing at 6 or 7%, which in real terms is bigger than what, what it was 10 years ago when it was growing at 12%. It isn't yep. going to stop wanting what... And, you know, he was... He, he switched between the you and the we. Uh, you know, he is from Sydney, and he kept saying, you know, you over here in the West. Then he kept saying, we, and we, and I, you know, I, I sense that he sees, you know, I think all of Australia benefits. And let's just, he was over here to open four new Aussie outlets. So, you know, he's, he's not going to talk it, it down, is it, he? Well, he isn't <laughs> going to talk it down, but he's also put his money where his mouth is. Yeah. You know, he isn't just trying to talk it up. Um, and, uh, you know, that mortgage origination business that he's in has been going pretty well. And I, I think the, 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 the local guys, which we'll talk about later, Australian Finance Group, I think they've done very, very well. Mm. And they've diversified out of Perth and they're doing very well over East. So, you know, markets fluctuate. It's a cyclical kind of thing, isn't it? You know, each market goes differently. We had our day. 3% still pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I suppose it's also uh, a reflection of what's going on in the, the resources sector and, and, yeah. and that there are people who are slightly concerned about what comes next. Yeah, there are. But as I say, as, as John Simon um, and a lot of other people keep on telling us, um, growth is softening, um, but China's still there and China is still expanding. Yeah, okay. 
Interesting. Okay, let, let's look at another story from this week. Um, uh, Murnock University in the news. I also just say, as, a, as a, in the interest of disclosure, our firm has been working very closely with David uh, Flanagan on this one. But David Flanagan came out yesterday um, and spoke publicly for the first time about some of the issues uh, surrounding uh, all the uh, the difficulties that the university is facing. I'll leave it to you, gentlemen, to uh, take the conversation. Well, we should further. be asking you the question, <laughs> What I could tell you, well, that would be another story. <laughs> Yeah, look, for anyone who's uh, been out of town, um, Murdoch University has been going through a difficult patch. Um, their Vice-Chancellor has resigned after a, an inquiry um, into a whole range of um, issues. Um, and the, the Chancellor, David Flanagan, um, spoke for the first time publicly yesterday about it. And he was able to disclose some of the allegations and evidence against up to five senior executives from the university. Uh, the Corruption and Crime Commission is involved in this, so it's a particularly sensitive legal issue. Uh, but there's all sorts of matters around uh, the, the protocols they went through with appointments, uh, with termination payments, uh, with, youth of, with the use of credit cards. Um, so just a whole range of, of governance issues. Um, David uh, Flanagan, um, I think, would have loved to have spoken more about it, but uh, given the involvement of the Corruption and Crime Commission and, and lawyers left, right and centre, he was heavily constrained. Uh, but clearly it's a difficult period they're going through and uh, you know, they'll be keen to try and put this behind them, but uh, there's a little way to run yet before that happens. Mm. Well said. OK, well, that's uh, some of that story. You want to say something oh, else? I was Bob? only going to just say, you know... Tough year for David Flanagan. Yes. Iron ore prices are really, you know, not helping, and Atlas is right at that at mm. that margin point that's tough. So, mm. you know, I think when you're in those chair positions and boards, you don't really expect to have two of these things going on at the same time. Yes. Uh, it just makes it a very busy time. It's why think, you can't have too many board memberships, you know, the guys that have a lot, you don't need two or three of these things to go at one time and then you've got problems with the other ones that you yes. need to be keeping Good point. I, I, I think it's fair to say he's probably not necessarily enjoying the wonderful title of West Australian of the Year. He's not uh, revelling in it. Let's look at another story, which is uh, the Sandfire Resources story. And this, this is the, the Australian, or the ANU deciding that um, they were going to divest from a lot of the the, the dirty, uh, polluting companies out of their fund. Uh, yep. Sandfire Resources were one of these companies, is that right? Yeah, Mark? look, this issue blew up about a month ago. Um, the Australian National University in Canberra commissioned a group called the Centre for Australian Ethical Research. And they provided a list of seven mining companies and they said, look, these guys don't uh, pass muster, you should divest them. Um, pretty much all of those companies have come out and said, uh, look, you've just got it wrong. You're not factually correct. Um, we don't agree with your research. Um, and most of them have said, look, if you want to make have an, an ethical filter and you want to divest from a certain industry, that's fine, but get your facts right. Um, Sandfire has come out today and said they're taking legal action against the group that did the research. So they're really ratcheting up this issue. Um, they had some dialogue with this research group. Um, and, in fact, it's an important point the legal action is not over their original report. The legal action is over subsequent statements they made after they'd heard from Sandfire. So clearly they're not happy with the response. Um, and look, this has become a, you know, a big national issue um, and there's a lot of uh, you know, debate around the rights and wrongs of it. 
But I think what's got lost in some of the emotion is that this goes back to a question of were their facts correct mm -hmm. in the first place? Mm -hmm. Not a question of are they entitled to go down this path, but did they base it on the right facts? So presumably they're taking legal action on the facts, not on the decision. Well, yeah, as our previous uh, issue um, illustrated, um, it's before the courts. Yeah. Um, they haven't disclosed the specifics of it. Right. Oh, look, I just find this story fascinating, and I think it's it's not just about ANU. There's a, a although this is very particular. They didn't rule out an industry. They had a go at a couple of companies, or three three WA companies, and all of which it was over specific things like the way they dealt with native title, the way they were doing with in, environmental things, and and they clearly these companies feel they'd never been asked in the first place. But there's a whole bunch of other things going on. You've got um, a whole bunch of local government super fund matters where they're, they're pulling out of fossil fuels. You've got um, the Perth Archdiocese of the Anglican Church has said it's getting out of fossil fuels. And we've got a story this week in our paper about the fact that, you know, that Archdiocese owns several buildings in the CBD and a whole bunch of those buildings are populated with oil and gas companies and service companies, what are they going to do? Are they going to turf them out or are they going to sell the buildings? And they're going to have, what, a turf out companies in, in a downturn? They're going to fire sale buildings? It's, they're quite big decisions to make, but all made by people who've sort of got a warm and fuzzy feeling about, oh, we can't have oil and gas. Well, guess what? This town's full of it. Lots of people make their livelihoods out of it so you know i'm fascinated by the whole argument yeah that's it's, play it, out. and and the fact that this is the first uh, this is the first example isn't it of legal action being taken so this is right. yeah okay so it yeah. sets a precedent f for others to follow potentially well carl simich runs sandfire he's a, a feisty character um, so uh you know he's the kind of guy that yeah, wants to go right. on the front foot and, and serious resources are doing well, they're not taking legal action i know but they're, they're similarly aggrieved by this because they've done a really good arrangement with their indigenous mm -hmm. uh, um situation there and and they feel and one of the issues they had was over their native title um negotiations so they're really really aggrieved as well that is interesting okay um some of the big stories from the week let's turn our attention to the paper which comes out on monday and look at some of the big stories in that and um shana this is where you come in because you've done the feature uh, looking at a, fee a term you don't like, which is the, the well-at-work side of life. Um, you prefer to call it corporate health and wellness. Um, first of all, why don't you like the term uh, well-at-work? It's not necessarily I don't like the term. I just don't think it really explains what it's about. And right. even corporate health and wellness, to some extent, doesn't really get down to what it's about. It's interesting we're talking about David Flanagan. He's probably, understandably, a little bit stressed at the moment. So this yeah, is but really... he's okay. He does a lot of cycling <laughs> with me at the moment. That well, helps. there you go. Look, this is really what the feature is getting into. Um, Last year was the first year that Business News did the Well at Work feature, and mm -hmm. that really sort of opened the door on how much companies are getting into the physical health and well-being of their employees. Like, I think we even mentioned David Flanagan in that feature and, and his cycling efforts as part of, you know, maintaining overall health. This year, what I've really noticed is that companies or businesses are taking quite a strong focus on mental health. And it's a tricky subject. It's really sensitive. Um, a lot of businesses don't know how to go, go about it, but... In saying that, go they, are, they are doing it because there's a really strong business case for it. Mm -hmm. What um, the research shows us, it's, the figures are a little bit iffy, but the cost of mental health on businesses Australia-wide every year is between 10 and $14 billion. So it's nothing to be sniffed at. Companies need to do something about it. And the return on investment on putting in a mental health strategy, trying to make your, your workplace healthy, employees able to chat about what's going on, in some industries, that can be up to $5 for every $1 investment. So there's a strong business case. Um, 
But what's really interesting to me is I had some really interesting conversations and for businesses that aren't doing this, they're really putting themselves at legal risk because there's one clause in um, uh, anti-discrimination law which says if people that have a mental illness aren't looked after reasonably and reasonable adjustments aren't made for them, then their employees are at, at risk. And simply mm. because companies don't know about this, they're doing that just without knowing. And same with privacy, because employees may not know how to approach it, saying to their colleague, oh, this has happened with this person, don't know what to do here. They're breaking privacy laws. So it's a really serious topic which companies, they're starting to look at, but it's really the next challenge in terms of corporate mm. health and wellness. Interesting as well, on in particular here in WA, with so much um, fly in, fly out, and that sort of mental health that comes with that. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. We've covered that off in the feature as well, and obviously with the the um, state parliament inquiry that's on at the moment, that's really been brought to the fore. But what's been raised is that FIFO in itself doesn't necessarily cause mental health issues. Um, it may put people who are at risk of mental health, um, may make them a little bit more susceptible, if you like. But the research has actually shown because there's been a high rate of suicides, the perception there's been a high rate of suicides, and I think 2012 to 13, that was nine in one year in WA. That's actually dropped to zero in the last year. So it may not be as significant as what it appears to be. And also um, the current, the state coroner did um, some research around what the cause of those suicides were. And the workplace was way down on the list. Mm-hmm. It was more relationships with people. Granted, that could be have an effect of the FIFO lifestyle. But it was, you know, prior conditions of mental illness, um, mm-hmm relationships and and that sort of thing. It's not necessarily the work environment that Mm. they're in. It is interesting. I notice you still haven't put the gym in at the end of the office. I presume that's the the next step, is it? Well, that's where everything really starts. It's all, you know, it started, corporate health and wellness started with these nice little initiatives you could do for employees. Let's get a personal trainer in. Let's offer them, you know, free gym memberships. I think from my own personal perspective, I think that's a really nice employee retention scheme. It doesn't necessarily get to, and maybe this is a generational thing that's really struck me. Maybe back in the day, you know, you just get on with it. You're getting paid to do a job, do it, you know, leave your problems at home type thing. And I think maybe it probably is a generational thing that people in my generation are coming into the workplace and saying, actually, no, if my work is impacting on my personal life, that needs to be addressed. And similarly, if my personal life is affecting some my ability to do my job, I want to be able to go to my employer and say, you know, this is going on and have some reasonable adjustments made for me. So. Yes. Well, I hope they listen to your concerns. <laughs> and everybody else's. <laughs> okay, um, let's move on to another story, and that is, uh, Mark, you, you've looked at um, WA's top private businesses. We, we've touched on some of the, the, the bigger ones in the past few weeks, private ones. Yeah, look, we've got a wrap-up for the uh, end of the calendar year. We've uh, been uh, trawling around all sorts of information sources to get information on the likes of BGC, Hancock Prospecting, um, ABN Group, which is Dale Alcock's business, um, some of the big mining contractors, and we've got a a listing in this week's paper of uh, the top 20 or so private companies in WA. Um, So it really gives you a, a good insight into who's who in business here. Um, and BGC, the business that was uh, built up by Len Buckridge over many years, is number one on the list. Um, yeah, they're a, a very large business, annual turnover of something like $3 billion, mm. um, 4,500 staff, um, now run by um, his children. Mm. Um, 
The other one that's uh, coming up rapidly behind is Gina Reinhardt's business, mm. Hancock Prospecting. Um, and when they get their Roy Hill project uh, going, um, that will they're, they're, they're set to be the number one. It, but interesting, we're talking about these as being you know private businesses, but in, you know to uh, most people they're, they're being pretty huge public businesses, but they're still private. Yeah, um, the owners um, would like to keep the details private. Y- yes, um, I can imagine. In fact, Gina Reinhardt took legal action because she didn't want to have to lodge her annual returns with with ASIC, the corporate regulator. She lost that fight, so now she has to disclose details. And yet there's a a curious arrangement where older companies like BGC are covered by a grandfathering arrangement. Yes. So they never disclose their financials. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Um, if If you're an old established business, you benefit from this. If you're relatively new or you've had a change in your corporate structure... That's weird. Well, that's what Gina Reinhardt said, and she lost the fight. So. <laughs> oh, <there we> go. <laughs> Happens all the time. Rule, different rules for different organisations. Well, it's a timing thing. It's like part, some parliamentarians are getting certain super uh, okay. things, and then they cut that off, and when people leave parliament today, they won't get the same deal. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would give up on that one. Let's just end very, very briefly with a, a stadium story. We haven't talked about the stadium for months. And uh, Mark, you were at an event where they were talking about who's going to run it, what it's going to consist of, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, yeah. Sum up on that. Yeah, we had a really interesting discussion uh, earlier in the week. Uh, it was a, it was an event. It, a, all, a lot of sports chiefs, you know, the CEOs of various, uh, I'd say about seven or eight of the the, the leading sports in in WA. Um, we had, and it was put on by Perth Racing, kind of organised it, and uh, Lavin Legal, the law firm, was it was at their at their uh, offices. And look, the discussion was broad ranging, a whole lot of things. You know, the, uh, these little irritant things that the sports organisations all have to deal with, like liquor licensing. They're all very aggrieved with the way liquor licensing is done, and you know the fact that you get mid strength beer at the footy and all that. You know, they don't, they can't, they feel they can't put on a a good show mm-hmm. and that's really interesting and they're trying to get in you know overseas you know sporting events and everything and yet we put on that poor show so it was really interesting to hear those arguments obviously a big discussion amongst them was the stadium that's going in there was a bit of tension in the room because we had one of the guys from sport and rec who's kind of running the the stadium side of things and you can you can feel there the government and the sporting organizations are trying to come to an agreement and i believe there won't be an agreement till next year on how that stadium's run. Obviously, the government wants to do it at the best value for the government, and obviously the clubs, particularly the football clubs, want the best value for them. They want a clean stadium, for instance. They want to be able to use all the advertising hoardings. They want to use the corporate boxes and have that for them to sell. And their argument is if they can get bang for their buck, they can pass that on and pay the highest prices for the stadium. But the, uh, the government, possibly in the background, once all those corporate boxes signed, sealed and delivered, they can sell that all as one package to some new owner down the track, potentially. Arena has that arrangement. The Perth Arena has that arrangement. It's got corporate boxes sold in advance. Yeah. And funnily enough, the Wildcats weren't unhappy about that, but they explained that they had a different business model. They sell the seats right down at the front to the corporates. The corporates want to be as close to the action as they can mm-hmm. be, and the suites are for a different type of customer, so they're not so fast. But in footy, as we know, the view is from the back and looking mm. down. The people right on the fence tend to be the punters. So it's a different, uh, mm. it's a different model. 
maybe it'll change. Who knows? But it was a great discussion, and I, you know, a lot of news to come out of there. I'll be waiting to see who who wins the arm wrestle over. Well, at least it's a different discussion from shall we or shan't we build it. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> that's done and dusted from what I can tell. Exactly. Good stuff. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Mark Panel, Mark Byer, Shana Crispin. Uh, another edition of Business News Background, same time next week. Papers out on Monday of the week. Thanks. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast of Business News Background, brought to you by Business News and Lush Digital. For more information, go to the website businessnews.com.au.